Amen. I like what the song said. Call it what it is. Don't take credit for it. Don't brag on it. Don't try to figure it out. Just call it grace. Amen. And thank God for his amazing grace. Well, let's go to the word of God, the book of Job. We thank the Lord for the wonderful opportunity we have on a Wednesday night to dive into the Bible. Job chapter number one. And you'll get your Bibles there. And we'll move on just a little bit further with God's help and God's grace in this passage of Scripture and see just what he's saying to us. Let me just encourage you as a believer, anytime the Bible is open, to ask yourself the question, what is God saying to me? Come on, let's say it together. What is God saying to me? Not just what the message is. What's the sermon about? What are the points? What's the outline? No, no, no. What is God saying to me? Because if you don't think he's talking to you, you certainly don't do anything about it. What is God saying to me? What can I take from the message, immediately implement in my life, and be a better Christian for the glory of God? What is God saying to me? Now, let's pick up, if we would, where we left off last week. Remember, Satan was presuming that if God would move the hedge from around Job, Job wouldn't fear God, hate evil, and walk uprightly like he had. God gives him permission to mess with Job. Look at verse number 13, would you? And there was a day. <laughs> you know, yeah, we can read the rest of the verse. And how many of you know sometimes there's a day that you wish didn't happen? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, 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 that means just because you're a good person doesn't mean that day won't come. There was a day when the sons, uh, Job's sons and his daughters, there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. The Bible already told us they got together with each other. This was, this was, this was an ordinary day, but some unordinary things happened on an ordinary day. And there came a messenger unto Job. And said, the oxen were plowing. Is that unusual? No. The asses were feeding beside them. Is that unusual? No. Just doing what they do. 15. The Sabians fell upon them. Took them away. That's unusual. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. That's, that's unusual. I only am escaped alone. to tell. I'm the only one who got out of there. And I'm the bearer of bad news. While, while he's talking, while he yet was speaking, here comes another and said, the fire of God is fallen from heaven. Huh? Fire of God? Have burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Anybody looking at verse number seven? While he was yet speaking... Is there a pattern happening here? Job is finding out bad news in one conversation that most of us won't face in a lifetime. There came also another and said, the Chaldeans made out three bands, fell upon the camels, have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone 
to tell that this is all happening in that day. Verse 18, while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house. The children got together all the time. This was not new for them to get together. What's new is, is that the wind blows and, and the house collapses, fell on the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. I'd I, I like to ponder for a few moments tonight, beloved. Just how well do you handle bad news? Because you're going to get some. You're going to get some. You may not get this much. You may not get the same bad news. But you're going to get some. And we're going to find out when you get bad news whether you're really a good person. Amen. Let the church say amen. Father, help us. Cleanse us. Cleanse me. Empty me. Fill me. Use me. Help me, Lord. I need you. You certainly don't need me. I do a work in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why, why, why is this man in us perfect and upright, fear God, hating evil? Why, why is this good father, this, this admirable husband, why, why is this man who is the richest in all of the East, why, why is this great steward and servant of God, why, why, why is he getting ready to have bad things happen to him. Why? 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 Why would God let this happen? And and yet we're we're listening in on the book of Job, look, listening to the stellar description of this man, and and the way he's described, you would think that clearly, if anybody is insulated from these types of circumstances, Job would be. And yet this Job, who is given a stellar description. This same Job is going to end up with severe distress. I mean, bad stuff is going to happen to Job. And we're going to watch this, and we're going to watch this unfold in a spiritual arena. Watch this now. We're going to see God, and we're going to see the devil, and we're, we're going to see the devil looking for an opportunity to mess with one of God's servants. I've said it before. I'll say it again. It didn't change since the last time we came here. You served God long enough. The devil is looking for a chance to mess with you. To mess with your marriage, to, to, to mess with your mind, to, to, to mess with your ministry. He, he, he wants to mess with anything good you're doing. He wants to mess with you. He wants to mess it up. So he, we, we watch, we're watching this unfold in a, in a spiritual arena. And, and here a sure adversary, the devil, shows up. And this, and this sure adversary is coming about trying to stir up any and everything that he can. This satanic activity reveals that he's moving to and fro throughout the earth trying to find somebody to mess with. God gives specific attention to Job. So you look for somebody to mess with, mess with him. He, he loves me. He fears me. He serves me. He walks with me. And he hates evil, by the way. When he looked at the devil and said, Job hates evil, he basically was saying, look here, buddy, everything you do, Job hates it. So he'd probably be the best candidate for you to mess with because clearly you two are not on the same team. 
Job gives a silly assumption, verses 9 through 11, as if devil gives a silly assumption in verses 9 through 11 as if Job is doing it for nothing and he's only doing it for what God does for him. We are Christians like that. Maybe you're one of them. I hope not. I hope you're not just serving God because of what he does for you. I hope you're serving God because he's God. And so God gives a sovereign allowance in verse number 12. Okay, you can, you can, you can. You, you want to prove whether or not this guy is for real. I'll let you mess with him. All that he hath is in thy power. You can touch everything Job has. You can touch it. You can mess with it. You can destroy it. I'll let you. You're going to find out that my servant serves me because he loves me. Ladies and gentlemen, don't you want your life to prove that you serve God because you love him? Yeah. And so this sovereign allowance of God makes way for, put this in your notes, sudden adversity. Sudden adversity. This is where we're reading in verse number 13, and there was a day. And there, that's, that's why I call it sudden, because th there was a day. It was, just an, it was just an ordinary day. Do you understand that people woke up today just like they did yesterday, and some of them didn't survive today? Do you realize that there were people that got on the same route that they get on every morning today and got in an accident differently than they did any other? Do you realize that there were people that went to the doctor like they have time and time again today and got news that they've never gotten from the doctor? But do you realize that there are people? People who went to work like they've been going for years to the same place today and found out they no longer have a job. And listen to, I'm trying to tell you, beloved, you're not going to get an email. You're not going to get a tweet. You're not going to get a warning when adversity comes. Sometimes it comes suddenly. You can't prepare for what you don't know is coming unless you just decide to walk with God. Sudden adversity. And here's what it hits. If you're taking notes tonight, it hits his flocks. I mean, I mean, Job's, Job's a farmer. I mean, this is what he does. And, and the animals are plowing and, and they're feeding. This, 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 this is how Job makes his money. This, this is what Job does. This is, this is how he's described earlier with the, the, the 7,000 sheep and the 3,000 camels and the 500 yoke of oxen and the 500 she asses, a very great household. This, this, is, this represents a, a great part of Job's financial status. This is what he has. And all of a sudden, he gets a word from a servant who shows up on a regular day when he's doing well and everything seems to be fine and the servant shows up and says I want you to know the oxen were plowing and, and, the, don and, and the donkeys were feeding and all of a sudden the Satan, here, comes, here comes enemies and they fell upon them and took them away and have slain the servants with the edge of the sword and all of a sudden on a normal day when the flocks do what they do and they do as they're supposed to do, the flocks are gone and while he's talking someone else tells him, listen, not only are the flocks are gone but the farmers are gone, the servants have been destroyed and now that the farmers are gone the finances are gone because once you lose the stuff you don't have any money and if it wasn't bad enough that he found out that the flocks were gone and the farmers were gone and the finances were gone he found out his family is gone his family's gone it's bad enough when you lose animals it's, it's real bad when you lose kids what, what, what do you do when one conversation rocks your whole world but listen to me ladies and gentlemen we're all just one phone call away from adversity. 
I've, 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 I've been there with the people that just got the call. I've, I've gotten the call right after they got the call. I've, 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 I've shown up at the scene right after somebody got in an accident. I've walked in the room as they, as they pulled the plug. I've, I've, I've listened to the sobs as, as one tragedy has happened. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I wish that the Christian life, I'm talking about the life of serving the King of kings and the Lord. Say amen on a Wednesday night if you're saved. Come on now. I'm talking about saved, real, 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 show enough, Bible saved, say amen. Listen, that means that God lives inside of you. Can I get an amen? Your sins have been forgiven. I mean, I mean, you are in the best place a human being could ever be. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you are in Christ. Say it with me, in Christ. Say it again, in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Listen, doesn't matter where he's from, doesn't matter what he's done, doesn't matter what side of the tracks he was born in, if he's in Christ, he's a new creature. Aren't you glad when you got saved, regardless of what you used to be, he made you a new creature? But as, as, as saved as you are, you just one call away. One, 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 one. one knock on the door away. Yeah? Just, 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 just one tragic situation away. And for Job, it's a succession of tragedy. In one day. Please, please note in your Bible, if you're in the habit of underlining phrases in your Bible, note, note the repetition in Job's day. Note, note how many times these phrases repeated themselves in one day. Here's, here's, what, here's the phrases that I want you to see. It begins with verse number 13. And there was a day. Just a, just a regular day. Just, just a regular day. And notice what the servant said. The servant said, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. The animals have died. Notice he said, I only am escaped alone. The only one that lived was the one that was the bearer of the bad news. Now watch this now. Here's, here's the phrase I want you to mark in your Bible, verse 16, while he was yet speaking. Mark, mark that down, while he was yet speaking. And then in verse 16, I only am escaped alone to tell you. Look at verse number 17. What does it say? While he was yet speaking. Verse 17 at the end, I only am alone escaped to tell thee. Look at verse 18, while he was yet speaking, while he was yet speaking. And he gets to verse number 19 at the end, and I only am escaped alone. To t Can you imagine while he was yet speaking more bad news 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 the psalmist said in Psalm 42 deep under deep call here's what he's saying he said one trial after another it's raining and it's pouring and, and it seems like when one bad thing happens another bad things happen bad thing happens and another bad thing this is Job's life you listen to me we were just talking about him a few verses ago as all of the animals that he had all of the sheep that he had all the servants that he had. He's the richest in all of the East. Please listen to me. What takes you years to accumulate can take you seconds to lose. And so the contemplation tonight is, 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 is really not, not can we lose it. The, the contemplation tonight is, is really what in life do we really value? Because whatever stops you 
from serving God is an indication of why you were serving him. Flocks and farmers and finances and family. I mean, what do you do? What? Isn't it amazing that the scripture spends intentional time in the first part of chapter 1 telling us all that Job was and all that Job has so that we can find out later in the passage that he had a lot and he lost a lot. Listen, listen. Please understand something, beloved. Everybody's trying to get ahead in life, but you've got to understand the prospect and possibility in life that the more you get, the more you can lose. You've got to understand that. Because everybody's trying to chase a dollar, and everybody's trying to make something. Everybody's trying to make a buck, and everybody's trying to accumulate something. Hey, listen to me. The more you get, the more impactful it is when it's gone. What are you going to do? Matthew chapter 6, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. This is Jesus talking. <laughs> listen to me. Lay not up for yourselves treasures. Listen, don't put all your eggs in a basket down here. That's what Jesus is saying. Why, why don't I want to lay my treasures on earth? Because moth and rust doth corrupt. Listen, listen, listen. Moth tear up stuff down here. Stuff get rusty down here. Somebody help me preach tonight. That, that, that fancy car of yours will get rusty. Them clothes of yours, you'll, 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 you'll pull them. The weather will change and you'll be putting, together, you're putting, putting your summer clothes away and getting your winter clothes out. And you'll pull out your favorite sweater and find out they, they're, they're not, those are not sleeves. Those are holes. Because something you can't see been eaten up on them while you thought they were stored away. Huh? Corruption. Here, here, listen, here is the threat of earthly accumulation, corruption, and confiscation. Listen, if the car don't break down, you might, you might not go out tonight and find outside in the parking lot that your car's broke down. You just might find out it's not there. Because where corruption won't get you, confiscation just might. Huh? I mean, listen, 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 listen. Thieves everywhere. Years ago, we had a thief up here in the, in the church. They were stealing food right out the freezer. Joe, they, had a, they had the nerve to steal the food out the freezer and said, I took it, I took the food and wrote anonymous and didn't even spell it right. Right up in the church house. This is Job. Sudden adversity. This is what he's going through. This is, this, is, this is the distress of a man that walks with God. Tonight I want to just touch for just a few moments. On the instinctive reaction of Job to adversity. Because everybody wants to say, I'm a Job. Pray for me. I just feel like Job. I just feel like Job. Do you? Well, you feel like Job because you lost your job. You want to call yourself Job because you get sick. You want to call yourself Job because people talk about you. You want to call yourself Job because your wife said your breath stinks. His did. You want to call yourself Job because you're having hard times. You want to call yourself Job because it seems like a lot of bad things have happened in succession. You want to call yourself. No, 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 no. You can't just call yourself Job because you're facing adversity. You've got to be Job with character before you just want to be Job with calamity. See, because calamity is a test. 
Maybe, maybe, maybe there's a believer in the building tonight that just doesn't do well with tests. I hate to bust your bubble, but if you don't do well with tests, you, you don't do well with passing. You, listen, you hear me? You can't bypass tests if you want to be promoted. I just don't like taking tests. How are you going to get your license? You're going to learn to pass it or you're not going to drive. Well, you can drive, but you ain't going to be driving legally. Listen, because the way that knowledge is evaluated is through testing. Now, watch this now. Knowledge is not evaluated through testifying. Knowledge is evaluated through testing. Listen, you don't walk up to the teacher and say, I'm real smart. And the teacher goes, you get an A. And you're looking at the teacher, what, what, what is there a problem? I told you I'm smart. You don't even have to waste your time teaching me. I know everything in the book. I'm a brilliant person. I have a 4.0. I know everything you're going to teach in this class. There's no reason for me to be here because I got it up here and I just want you to know. Well, great. I don't have to teach you because you've already told me you're smart. You know, we found out there's a whole lot of people say they're smart, but they're going to find out they're not smart when they have to take a test. Listen, I'm finding out there are a lot of Christians that toot their horn on Sunday that they're great Christians, but God doesn't take your word for it. Testing is the way that you are evaluated as to whether or not you know what you say you know. I mean, you know that Job's not just taking a test, he's taking an exam. Flocks, farmers, finances, and family. What, what, what does sudden adversity do to this good man? Write it down. Sincere adoration. What do you mean sincere? I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm talking about loving God for real. Do you understand the implication? For the, for, the, for the pastor to, to put sincere before the word adoration, by deduction, you have to conclude there's a such thing as insincere adoration. Anybody listening? See, if you can sincerely adore God, then that means you can insincerely. Some of y'all ain't listening to me tonight. I'm saying if you can praise him for real, then you can praise him for fake. That's what I'm saying. If, if, if there are some people in this building that are shouting amen and actually mean it, then that means there probably are some people in this building that shouted and don't mean it. <laughs> How does our adoration for God identify as sincere? Watch this now. When it comes on the heels of adversity. Real praise continues even when we have problems. So, so we don't identify sincere adoration by what happens in a service. There's nothing wrong with coming to praising God. Listen, don't you think we ought to adore God during church? I mean, if the man's up here singing about grace and you've been saved by grace, don't you think you ought to just loan somebody an amen? 
I mean, if you know you were lost and headed to hell and grace reached down and saved your soul and he's singing about it and what he's singing about actually happened in your life, don't you think the reins of your brains ought to translate to your mouth to say an amen, thank you, Jesus, or praise the Lord if grace saved you? Somebody say amen. But the truth of the matter is you can say why he's singing it in here with a bunch of Christians, but the truth of the matter is when you leave out here and you go through calamity and adversity and your saved self faces darkness and difficulty, Will you still praise God in the calamity like you did in the song service? Verse 20. Notice sincere adoration, the reaction of Job comes by way of displayed passion. Displayed passion. We, we, we're walking down all of these discoveries that are made to Job by way of servants while he yet speaks, while he's yet speaking, while he's yet speaking, while he's, now your kids have all, all 10 of them gone. Verse 20, then Job arose. Then Job, is anybody looking for content between verse 19 and 20 that the interpreters must have left out? Because it defies logic that a man finds out this much bad news in the verses prior and his immediate reaction is worship. Come on, it's hard to get people to worship in church in a worship service. Now you explain to me, listen, listen, I'm talking about with a man singing his guts. I have been in church where the man is singing his guts out and the people are looking at him like statues and he's up there listening to himself sing and they're looking at him sing as if they are judges on American Idol. And that's a worship service. Now you explain to me how a man's instinct after finding out that all his flocks, all his farmers, all his finances, and all his family by way of children are gone. And without a worship leader instigating his worship, he goes straight to worship. Now listen, listen, what, listen what his worship did not negate. Look at verse number 20. Ran his mantle, shaved his head. To, to, to rent his man, to, to rend his man, to, to, to rip his clothes was a sign of sorrow and suffering. The shaving of the head was a visual sign of mourning. Pastor, why are you talking about this? Because this is displayed passion. Come on. It seems like Christianity either gets put in the box of one of two extremes and nothing in between. You either you either a Christian who acts like the devil and thinks you can because you're going to heaven, or you're a Christian so weird you don't act like you're human. And so real people go, I don't want to be that because that guy can't even talk to you unless you're talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you say a normal sentence like, do you have a stick of gum? Oh, how dare thou speakest to my sanctified soul about entering a piece of gum into this body that is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I shall not touch that. It will shorten my time as a steward of God's kingdom. And you're like, buddy, I just want a piece of gum. 
And then the other guy over here is up here just spitting out a bunch of cuss words and talking about clubbing and, 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 and the songs he sings and the places he goes. And he has no spirituality about him. And his ringtone comes on. And clearly it isn't uh, when the role is called up yonder. And you're going, I can't tell you're saved. And the other guy, I can't even tell if you're a real person. So I appreciate the Holy Ghost of God telling us that it's okay to worship God while mourning your losses. God, God help us. God, God help these robot Christians that act like, oh, I'm so saved, but my husband just died. Hallelujah. I just lost my job, but that's what I was asking God for. I'm broke and I've never been happier in my life. Oh, you're stupid. That's what you are. And nobody believes you. It's possible. It's possible to cry over being hurt and still keep on worshiping God. Listen, stop trying to fake like nothing bothers you. That doesn't make you a good Christian. That just makes you someone who delays the inevitable. You kick the can down the road. And when you do finally admit it bothers you, it's too much to handle because you've been faking like it didn't all the time. Stop acting like you never get bothered. And then stop acting like God died when your circumstances did. There is a happy medium in between. You can be crying about losing your job and praising God that he's going to make a way out of nowhere at the same time. Displayed passion. We got to go. Right, listen, I'm going to tell you. I have learned that it's a whole lot easier to get Christian people to follow you if they actually think you're human. You may sound good, look good, and preach good, but if you are leading people that think you're not normal like they are, they won't follow you. So maybe, Christian, you might want to come down off your high horse dramatic Hollywood Oscar performance and let people know I'm a real person that cries just like normal people do but I don't cry like people that have no hope because just because things that matter in my life die doesn't mean God did somewhere in between hmm? fakes and carnal we got to find some good people that can get bad news and keep worshiping a good God. Father, thank you for your word. We, 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 I'm afraid sometimes that we are too busy trying to replicate a standard of Christianity instead of just walking with you. We're trying to look the part to to wear the face, to put on the facade, to, 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 to emulate the standard. Or we just quit trying to serve God because it's too hard and I ain't going to even try to be a Christian. I'm just, Lord, no, I ain't right and I ain't going to try to fake it. Somewhere in between, we got to be real human beings that are connected to a real holy Thank you for people like Job that tell us 
You don't have to be a weirdo to be a Christian. And it's not okay to be a worldly one either. Help us. Pastor God has spoken to me. I want to be a bona fide child of God that walks with him so that worship is my instinct when I get bad news. Pray for me. If that's you all over the building, God bless you. You can't, you can't, you can't program yourself to do that. It's, it's an instinct of walking with God. And if you ain't walking when you get the bad news, I guarantee you, you won't worship after you hear it. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. Use the Bible as you have time and time again. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for coming to church. I trust the, the message or the blessing.